<laughs> we're at a podcast at uh, Fortress headquarters, and we're uh, trying to crush words with one, let the public know what it's like to be a personal injury lawyer and how I'm uh, on your side because I'm in the community, and I want to have, you know, live life and give you the opportunity to have a better life if you've been in an accident. With the right lawyers, you can take on the biggest, baddest enemies, whether it's the city, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Uber. In a courtroom, we have an even playing field, and we can we can go and beat them, and we do all the time. But you have to get to the right people who are willing to take the risk, who are willing to go on a go out there and fight for you. If you go to the wrong lawyer, they may not get you full value and full compensation on your case. The corporate greed and the corporate crime in America against the consumer, the profits over the personal safety, welfare, and well-being is what we're going to fight you for. No corporation stands above you in terms of safety, health, and well-being. And we trust them to Uber and Lyft and Grubhub to, to bring us places or bring us food in a professional manner and not risk uh, death or catastrophic injury. So the main thing that I want you to, to learn from us here today, with the, whether it's the Chicago Police Department, Fire Department, Ambulance Services, Rideshare Companies, is we're going to fight for you. We're going to do what's right for you because corporations can't get away with crimes and severe malfeasance against us. The Workers' Compensation Act in the state of Illinois gives you rehabilitation to rehabilitate you to a job that you can do based on your skill level to put you back in the position to do that. It's all on the employer. But you have diminished work capacity. You're not able to do the job. You would have insane loss of income for the next 20 years. Your lawyer will get you that money. And the fee in workers' comp, by the way, is 20%. Why is it so low? Why is the worker so benefit from the lawyer only taking a small fee? Because it's a statute. Ah, is that right? If you're injured at work, you get money. It's automatic. But the the employer, the guys, the the employer say, hey, we give you two-thirds, Harry, pay our medical bill, go scratch and take $5,000. No, we're going to fight for your... Diminished for capacity, you may hurt your hand, and the employee says, Oh, your hand's worth 10000 give you 10000 but how does it affect your right arm? How does it yeah. affect your shoulder? The inability to use your hand, that's why you have to have a lawyer. There were two people that were injured. It was a wrongful death, husband and wife. Um, the husband had passed away, and the wife was still alive. Um, and this was still one of the one cases that I hold near and dear to my heart. Um, I still talk to my client. I call her once a month. Um, I talked to her over Christmas just to see how she was doing. Um, It was a horrible accident where the husband was driving, wife was the passenger, and they were T-boned by um, someone who failed to stop at a stop sign. And it was significant um, impact, significant damage. Um, Unfortunately, the husband, they were both taken by ambulance to the hospital, but the husband passed away five days later. Um, And the wife lived and thankfully recovered significantly. Um, She did have to leave their home that they lived in together because emotionally she couldn't stay there. Um, So she's in a nursing home and I've visited her and not in the nursing home. I'm sorry. It's a retirement home. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like to call it that. So um, it's a retirement home and I've, I've gone to visit her there. Um, She's very, very sweet. And this, this case brought a ton of insight into um, trial work because we were going to trial uh, versus, you know, not going to trial and settling the case. 
um, and then filing petitions and wrongful death matters and then going to probate. I mean, there's so many different aspects when it, when you're dealing with a wrongful death case that it's not just we're settled and we're done. There's so many different types of um, judges that you have to go before and courts that you have to go before. So it brought a ton of insight for me personally in dealing with um, a personal injury case, but then also a wrongful death case, dealing with heirs, you know, their children. They got married later in life. So they he had different children that I had to, you know, be very, you know, sensitive about um, with her not getting money and however it was. But it definitely is still a case that I hold near and dear to my heart and the client. I, I Like I said, um, I'll always remember her and hold her um, as one of my most favorite clients. We look at violence like an uh, infectious disease where people become, they think violently and then they spread it to other people. I mean, that's the basis of it, right? But violence interrupters go, uh, they work in the communities on a daily basis to detect, then, uh, you know, mediate and then intervene and, uh, you know, save lives on the front end. For example, we had a situation and the best way to describe it is that uh, I just give you a real life scenario. Uh, Two months ago, a guy was released from Cook County Jail. And as uh, soon as he, the same day he was released from Cook County, he shot the block up. He went over there with a semi-automatic weapon and shot the whole block up and ran everybody in the house. He wanted to take his block back over because some other guys took his block over while he was locked up. So as an end result, a lady called me and her son and his friend, they were in the room loading their weapons to go out and retaliate against this guy. So we got the call, and, and uh, uh, this work is not for the faint of heart. Don't try this at home. I just say that with a little comedy spin to it, right? But the reality is that uh, we rushed over to the scene. I talked to the two young guys that were in the house, and they were shaking and everything. I noticed that they were not cut out for what they thought they were. They weren't. Not, not in this situation. I tell you how, what, like, how young? Uh, these guys were like 18, 19. Okay. The guy that shot the block up, he had to be about 28 years old. Okay, but he was he was like the OG. Even though he's 28, he was the OG on that block. Okay, I was gonna say he's that's young, right? No, but he had been on that block since he was 16. Yeah. So they looked at him like an OG. So this would happen. Uh, The young guys informed me they were sending him money while he was in the Cook County Jail, but he never got the money because they gave the money to his brother, and his brother never gave him the money. Right. And so once they told me, once they shared that information with me, when I went out to talk to the guy on the block who had shot the block up. He was really in mode, guerrilla mode. I'm serious. He had his gun in his hand like this. His, his teeth were gritting. This is before it, the police got this there? Before, no, well, the police never. See, I'm not the police, you know. Uh, nobody called the police. They called the violence and the rebels in this situation. Right? It's incredible. It's really incredible. So just Like to, for me, that I've never yeah. been involved in this, I would think that 911 would yeah. be called first. Well, maybe somebody should have called, but nobody called. I didn't right. see no police, right? Right. And uh, so I went out there to the car and, and two of my staff, and we talked to the guy in the car. I say, look, man, the guy said they sent you some money uh, to the Cook County Jail. He said, I never got it. They, they gave the money to your brother, right? But he was really, really serious. He wanted to kill, kill those guys. He wanted to kill those guys. So to make a long story short, we talked to him. And also the young guys informed me that his girlfriend was coming on the block, uh, you know, picking up money. But she had another guy with him, with her. She had another guy with her. And so to, uh, to make a long story short, uh, we mediated the conflict. Nobody was shot. We, we calmed the guy down. But he called his girl while he was on the block. This is crazy. He said, baby, what am I hearing that you're coming on the block with another guy and getting money? And the guy that she was with got on the phone and said, your girl is with me now. Hmm. Get lost. And I tell you, this guy grabbed his gun again. I'm telling you, man, he, he, I thought he was going to shoot me. I'm not even joking, man. He was so mad and angry once again. But I got him to calm down, cool out a little bit. And say, hey, man, we're going to let this go. And I don't know what happened to him after that. But uh, 
as a, as an end result, the two guys, their, their lives were saved. People can come back, come back out on their porches and hang out in the community, and we got him to leave and take his gun and put his gun up. You're an interrupter. How do you deal with the tension of all the family members all over you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same dynamic <clears throat> with personal injury law. It's just, well, you get everyone coming to you as far as the whole family and, you know, the crisis and injury suffered is something the whole family wants to deal with. We get that, too. We can only talk to one half of the family. Obviously, there's an adversarial relationship within the family. Yours is kind of everyone's on the same team. But, yeah, I mean, divorces, you know, I think they're less taboo now than they used to be. There used to be, like, a negative connotation with them. But at the end of the day, divorces can go many different ways. You know, divorces can be a huge step in healing for people and moving on to the next step of their life. And then they could also become this horrible ordeal that, you know, creates major friction within families and husbands and wives or any spouses. And, you know, if the family's not all on the same page and trying to do it the right way or, you know, someone gets caught cheating or someone has an abuse problem or an alcohol problem or a drug problem, these kind of things can obviously lead to more emergent circumstances that cause the divorce. But if people have time to think it over and, you know, a couple decides that staying married is not in their best interest, then I think they have more ability to get on the same page and make the divorce process something that is more of a positive thing as much as possible instead of just completely negative. You know, when I've been on the golf course with you or at a a social event, you get an emergency call, like the police are at my house or the, Mm. the... Something. Spouse is is bothering you or harassing you or checking out, like you were telling me about a um, a woman that you represent, a high powerful CEO, and the man was cross examining the children. Who's she going out with? Who she's dating? Right. Where's she at? Stalking the doorman for questions, and you get these emergency calls. Just on your stress level, and the, what is the level you allow your clients to enter to grab you at extreme right. after hours or hours that you have set aside for yourself personally and your stress level, and how do you, do you diffuse the situation when it does come to you that way? Yeah, I mean, it's... Obviously, I feel like I'm on call 24-7 as a divorce lawyer. I give, all myself, I give my cell phone number to all my clients. Some of them abuse it, some don't. But, I mean, you know, every hour of the day you can get a call. The police are at my door or... You know, the police are calling or I'm locked, I locked myself in a closet. My husband or wife is going crazy or my kid's hysterical. We're hiding from our spouse. These are like the dark sides that either lead to a divorce or occur during a divorce case. And I feel like I owe it to my clients to, you know, always be a call or text away when they're in times of crisis. They obviously are hiring me. And there's differing opinions on this. I mean, I have many colleagues of mine who refuse to give out their cell phone. There needs to be that divide between personal and professional, and people can't abuse it. But I think divorce law is different, personally. I think you have to make yourself available. And if I'm able to talk to them, and obviously we'll do so depending on the circumstances, I think that's important for an attorney to be there for a client, especially in times of emergency. Well, a lot of the grandparents in the community are taking care of their grandchildren because of, unfortunately, 
the mother may be incarcerated or the father's incarcerated or the parent is unfortunately on drugs. So the grandmother is struggling to take care of the kids and we appreciate you helping us to bring them out of the community. And also we're focusing on giving the grandparents a stipend and that's great. Thanks to Walmart. I mean, it's a two-way street. You're putting all the, your yeah, time in that jersey. That's beautiful. Yeah, is, uh, let's see it. What do you and got B, for me? manufacturing. And, uh, uh, this got is your a, logo got on it. Walnut. It's got your number it. one Walner. I do love it. Do you think it. if I wore that, I'd be a better basketball player? Because I'm pretty bad. Probably. Yeah. I think, I, think that, I think the uniform and makes this is different. not cheap material. Right. Let me and, feel it. Let's feel the guts. Here, you need to put, put I that love on. This put this on. Put it on. You want me to put yeah, this put on? Yeah, put it on. Take Hold off on your second. jacket and put it let on. Me, let me see if this fits. Yeah. There you go. What did that say? All right. And then you have, okay, all right. Beautiful. Oh. I love it. <laughs> well, you know you have to throw off the first tip. Yeah, and this is August 19th. Right. August 19th. Am I taller than the kids? I want to make sure the ball Fix your collar in the back. Maybe about. Your height, some of them. So, Sabrina, I love it. My name is Captain A.J. Zimmerman, and as you said, I am in Inglewood. Uh, there we have a community center there where we focus on six weeks to 99. We have kids of all ages and adults. We have programming for everyone. Uh, we uh, want to be a hope and a safe haven in the Inglewood community. So it's a place where you can work out. It's a place where you can come and play basketball. It's a place where you can get fit. It's a place where, you know, you can just basically better your life. We have so many different programs, so many different uh, after-school programs, and so many different things that's available to the community there. Uh, and we want to make sure that our people are cared for, heard, and are safe. Neat. And it's a huge facility, right? Yes. Tell us more about it. Yes. So we have a 70,000-square-foot building um, that has a gym, a, a indoor walking track, basketball court. Uh, we also have uh, an uh, auditorium for music. Uh, we have a child care center within it. And, uh, yeah, we've been there about since 2006, I believe. The, but the Selfish Army's presence have been there since the 40s, 1940s, uh, in the Inglewood community. Um, and, yeah, the, our, our goal in, uh, is to kind of provide a little bit of everything uh, for all the different age groups. But you don't take in any clothes. No, no. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, our, our facility is a little bit different. In the sense yeah. that we don't we don't have like a, we're not a thrift store uh, or we don't have a, a shelter, um, but we are a place people can receive help. So we do yeah. have things like uh, you know uh, uh, emergency assistance uh, programs to help pay bills and things like that. But our primary focus is the community and working with the kids and working with the adults, kind of doing pre uh, prevention um, care. So making yeah. sure people uh, you know stay fit, stay healthy, things like that. If you're injured. Um, you know, typically, you know, John can represent you and he can get you a settlement and the check goes directly to you, right? Um, however, there, there are kind of two unique situations. Well, if, if you, unfortunately, if you die, um, then we have to give that money um, to your family members um, and that is done through, pro, through a court, which is probate court. Also, if you're under 18, um, that money goes to kind of a trust, and then you receive that money when, when you're 18 years old. And so, you know, probate, they tend to be more complex cases because obviously when, you know, if, if unfortunately if, if you, you know, die in, a, in an accident, that tends to be, um, you deal with more money at, at stake and, you know, you deal with, um, it, it's, it's more complicated. Um, there's this one case, do you remember the case out of Will County? There was someone died without a will, 
I think this, the insurance settlement was like $1.7 million or something. And he did, did not have, con- he died without a will, and he did not have contact um, with his children. And so I had to find his grandchildren, um, his grandchildren. His children. No, his, his children actually passed. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was his grandchildren. Um, and I, I found one in Portland, Oregon, and then the other um, three were in Bloomington, Illinois, and then they worked at a, a dog daycare, and you know we, we used some investigation tools, and we were able to provide them with a substantial amount of money, um, because this family was estranged. The the, the younger uh, grandchildren didn't even know about the grandfather. Um, the, the the older um, grandchild that lived in Portland did, and so that that that, that was um, kind of um, an interesting case. And then there's a lot of cases um, that I dealt with where um, Minors that get significant injuries, but they recover fantastically. Um, you know, young people that just have this physical resiliency. So I'm reading these re- medical reports. You know that they break um, a few bones. You see them a year later. You know that, that they look they look like they're 100 percent, and we're able to get them. You know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars um, into an account what they can receive when they're 18. And you know, um, most of the um, of the miners that I worked for, they came from kind of underprivileged backgrounds. And so it was really rewarding being able to give these kids, um, you know, a substantial amount of money that could really have a very positive impact on their life when they turn 18. You know, they can use this for, for college or for a career, um, you know, extra fifty hundred thousand dollars um, when you're 18 and don't have a lot of resources um, is very significant. We're still waiting for you to get the tattoo of Walner Law on your we're, shoulder. We're looking into that. Yeah. Okay. We're yeah. still looking right. at that thing we outlined it the other Every day. Every employee gets branded for yeah, a lawyer. Okay. Right. Um, Give me a little bonus if you do it. Right.